and welcome to the UVU Review Quickfire Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Creer, joined by my great friend, Tanner Heath. What's up, guys? We are back after a week off. Uh, in that week, we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot we of stuff. But first, before we get after it, bracket challenge winner, Noah Nelson, friend of ours, went to high school with him. Uh, he's a UVU student. Uh, shout out to you. You picked Virginia to win it all. Bold. And you won Bold. You won our bracket challenge group out of, I think, like 30 people. So I, I took second to last. Pretty proud of that fact that I... My brackets the last two years have been so bad. The only time that I've ever won in my life, I've won twice, is when Duke wins. And that, that helps me. That helps me out a lot. Um, so yeah, congrats to Noah for guessing the best yeah, out of we'll everybody. Figure, we'll figure something out for you. Yeah, maybe so. we'll buy you a candy bar or something. So. Yeah. Courtesy of the show. We'll make we'll make UVU pay for and, it. And uh, just really quickly, shout out to Virginia. I guess I was partially right back on our show, our preview show. We talked about that. You should have stuck with Virginia. Yeah, so man. here's what happened. Okay. So okay. I had two brackets. I had one with my uh, my family, and I had one, our, our quick fire one. And I had Virginia in both. And I was like, no, I want one to be okay if Virginia loses like I thought they were going to deep down in my mind, even though I said out loud they were going to win. So what happened was, is in the quick fire group, I switched it to North Carolina last minute, Wednesday night, before the brackets locked Thursday morning. And I should have stuck with it. Faith is a principle of action, Tanner Heath. <laughs> it is. And that you, it is. You, just, you, you didn't pull it off. Um, see, I was confident enough to be like, I'm doing one bracket this year. I'm not going to make more than one. I'm doing one bracket because I had this like internal feeling that if I only did one, that it would be my best one. And then I took second to last and instantly was like, I really wish I would have made like two yeah. or three brackets. Yeah. So, so. You, I know your strategy next year now. I'm going to make like five. There we go. I'm going to do five why next not? year. Yeah. Why not? All righty. So, okay. Breaking news just happened today. Of course, it's going to be our lead off story. <laughs> Mark Pope. <laughs> That's our break. Straight news. off the wire. We don't even need a sound effect. Tanner has it down. Can you do that we again? We don't got the money Can for you do that again? Effect. You got to announce this. Okay, news again. breaking news here from the UV review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, coming in straight off the wire. Uh, and oh, yeah, Mark Pope. It? Mark Pope. He's going to BYU. Are we shocked? Are we surprised? Not really. No. I mean, we all thought that's what yeah, was going to happen. Yeah, we talked about right? it in our last show that we had. Yeah, I mean, we, we knew he was going to go. Yeah. Right? Like, Just a matter I, of when. We thought it was going to be sooner. Yeah, I mean, that was the interesting part about it, right? Like, we waited. Because I think it's been exactly two weeks since Rose resigned now. Yeah, it's been two weeks. Yeah. It's been two weeks. And they had um, him with Alex Jensen from the Utah Jazz. Is that his name? Yes. Um, and then Mark Madsen. Mark Madsen. And assistant coach Quincy Lewis. They all interviewed. Yeah, and they all interviewed. And I think Pope was the obvious choice there. Yeah, he was I, their number one. I think he was their number one from the beginning. Interesting story. I actually ran into Pope yesterday on campus. Um, he was walking towards the Browning administration building where all the big things hmm. take place. And he was carrying a big suitcase and hmm. I walked in, I, was in I ran suitcase. into him and I said, Hey coach Pope. And he looked, uh, like kind of distraught a little bit. He looked very like somber in the moment. And I think that was the moment where he was going to confirm uh, obviously, this is just my personal yeah, speculation Speculation on it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's my Mark Pope conspiracy theory. Um, 
but he was heading towards the, and I said, Hey coach Pope. And he turned around and, and he looked very kind of reflective. Like he was thinking about his time here because I have gotten the feeling from UVU athletics within the last few weeks that they, they knew that this storm was coming. Yeah. But so now we reflect though, right on the things that Pope did. He had the best season of all time at UVU yeah. this previous season. He had a whack player of the year in Jake Toulson. He had the longest standing home winning streak um, in the nation this year, 22 games at home. I mean, as somebody who follows BYU basketball, Tanner, what do you think the outlook is like for the Cougars with him joining the program? Does he make an immediate impact when he gets there? Um, I think he does in the sense of we were kind of talking about it before we started recording just now. Um, that roster does not look great next year. I mean, the thing is, is it is full of, I think, other than Yoli Childs leaving, it is full of a lot of guys that have been there for a couple of years now. Um, and the outlook is, is hey, they're going to have the expectation of going into this upcoming season, like, hey, where do we go from here? You know, now they got the coach, um, the coach they wanted. So now they kind of have direction. And I think, honestly, you know, with the, with the team that's not expected to do great, Coach Pope's had that before here at UVU in his first couple of years. And he got better each year. So this year, I mean, they're going to have a winning record. You know, they play in the WCC. They should have a winning record. So it's it's what he does with those guys. It's how, at the level that he gets them to play at. So I th- honestly think that he can make an impact for a team that isn't doesn't have a great outlook this season. Yeah. Um, I really hope that he does well. It kind of puts me in like an interesting spot because I always hope that BYU basketball does well. Yeah, it's good for the state. for one game of the year. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think one game of the year. See, that's what makes it tough, is I would usually cheer for Utah State, but after this last season, I think I might have to cheer for BYU, and that, that's a yeah, sad you, statement. Free and phonies. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> big old phonies. Um, but no, I agree, and I really hope that he does well, and I think that he is going to do well. I think he needs to prepare, though, for the BYU fan base, because if they don't take first or second in the WCC next year, they're going to want him to be put on spike by the end of the season because he didn't turn the program around. Yeah. Now, if he does get them into the NCAA tournament next year, which I would be shocked if it'll, I had to do, it'll odd, be a big W. If I had to moment. do odds on that, I'd say BYU has like a 5% chance of making the NCAA yeah. tournament next year. If he were to do that, he will be touted as their greatest coach of all time within his first season. Probably. So the other thing that helps Mark Pope is he is going to be such a breath of fresh air for that program in terms of the way that he presents himself. And like, if you've ever listened to a Mark Pope interview, it's entertaining. He's fun and he's honest and he gives really good insight and perspective on the way he feels as a coach, um, especially post game. And so I think he's going to be very well liked within BYU athletics. I think that people are going to really like listening to him and, and Dave Rose, of course, great guy, yeah. but a little bit more serious in tone, a little bit more, yeah. a little bit more soft spoken. Mm-hmm. Mark Pope's definitely big and loud, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to see what he can do. I really hope that he does well at BYU. I think he has a good chance of making them, not making them, but helping them find more success yeah. in the future. Yeah. All righty. So moving on, our another UVU story, baseball team. Uh, still struggling. They are getting offensive production. They're getting hits. They're getting runs in. Um, allowing a lot of runs and having some pitching struggles. Tanner, you've been covering baseball lately. What are your thoughts? 
Um, yeah. So my my thoughts are is when I so I picked up baseball around the basketball season got over. So I kind of missed the first couple weeks of baseball season, and um, just from what I've seen is that it, the first couple weeks of the baseball season is, you know, the the story was games were close, but they couldn't they couldn't get any runs on the board. They couldn't score, and it's completely flipped in the last couple weeks. I think it was a couple games before the BYU game. Um, back in the middle of March and what was happening was they were scoring all these runs. They were scoring in bunches. They were getting big innings, but then what was happening is they kept having to come back because these other teams, their opponents were doing the same thing. They were, they were getting all these hits, you know, UVU would be down, you know, for example, in the BYU game, they were down by seven runs at one point down by six runs at another point, but they kept coming back. They forced extra innings. They were getting hits. It's just the pitching staff. They just couldn't pick it up. And it's not like these pitch, this pitching staff is bad. Like they all have similar ERAs, but it's just it's just letting in runs at the wrong time when the offense picks you up. And they really let them come in in bunches. I mean, the thing is, if you take a look at box scores for their team, they have innings where they're giving up six or seven runs. Yeah. And if there's any way that you want to secure that you're going to lose a baseball game, be tied around the sixth inning and then give up seven runs. Yeah. And because you can't, it's especially when you're playing you know a tight knit game where you know maybe you're tied 1 to 1 you're down 2 to 1 and you're kind of getting in this rhythm of like okay we just need to get a run on the board to pull ahead then all of a sudden when you give up 7 the game's over you're done i mean the pitchers once a pitcher gives up 7 runs he's done your 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 people um playing the field are like well we just gave up 7 runs yeah. so I just I, I really hope they can pull it around. Things aren't looking positive for them in, in regards. They haven't done well in the WAC. They definitely haven't done well in their overall record. And they won one game at home this year. Which is disappointing. Yeah. To win one game on your on your home field. I mean, you've got to be better than that. And I think that um the baseball team is looking to have a situation where if they don't turn things around this season, there might be some major pr- changes within that program and I'd be paying attention to that cuz I I I just don't see how you maintain the same staff and the same mindset going into next season if this is the way this season is going to go. Yeah. righty. we're going to move into our second segment. Um, we've renamed it just for today. Normally, it's you know it has to revolve around Utah-based stories. There wasn't a ton, but we thought of a great idea for a new segment option. Andrew, what is it? This segment is going to be called Just Chill. Because we're always talking about when people just need to chill out. So we're going to bring up some different story ideas. Well, not story story ideas, but stories. And we are going to comparatively say whether people need to chill or not. I'm bringing this first one up to Tanner um, directly in regards to the story we talked about two weeks ago uh, with Jimmer Fredette just really blowing up the NBA and playing really great basketball. Um no, he did in, that in China. In, oh, yeah, that's right. And then in comparison, uh, this last week, Delon Wright, Utah Univer- U- University of Utah alum, uh, two straight triple doubles, first person to do that in Memphis Grizzlies history in a loss and in a win to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Tanner, do I need to chill out about this or should I be excited? A little bit, and here's why. Here's why. So you mentioned first one to do that in Memphis Grizzlies history. Memphis Grizzlies don't have a lot of history, so... Um, another thing hey, is you don't say that. Another <laughs> that team had Brian Reeves, big country, playing on the Vancouver Grizzlies. Grizzlies, you don't you don't disgrace his name. Another thing is is you got to play the Mavericks in back to back games. They're just trying to lose more games at this point because they missed out on the playoffs a while ago. Um, and so you, you know it's two teams where the Grizzlies they don't have a lot of guys that are healthy. 
Um, so he's going to get big minutes. And uh, another thing is, is like I said, the Mavericks, they're, they're not trying to win. But the other thing is, too, is you have to play into a factor is he's going out there and doing that. Um, it's not easy to get a triple no. double. Uh, unless you're Russell Westbrook, but because yeah, that's another story. But um, I think just the fact that he 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 did this is is it's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I really liked the tweet that Kyle Kuzma had where he retweeted what ESPN said about how he was the first player in Memphis Grizzlies to do that, and he says someone needs to pay this guy because he is a free agent by the end of the year, and. I think it would be an appeal for the Utah Jazz to reach out to Delon Wright. I mean, he went to college here. He yeah. did really well here. He was probably the best college basketball player in the state um, his junior and senior year when he was in Utah. Yeah. And I think if he could come and add some um, guard diversity to the Utah Jazz, I think he would do a great job. I think that obviously it's a little bit right. Obviously, Utah fans are going to point to the fact, of course, I did on Twitter as well, that hey, Jimmer's not that good, and Delon Wright's a lot better, um, which I think we all knew. I think we all know that Delon Wright's a better basketball player than Jimmer yeah. Fredette is in the NBA. Now, by college standards, Jimmer Fredette was better, obviously. Oh. Um, but I don't know. I find it to be interesting because it was against the Mavericks, right? Two games, two triple doubles, still a big deal. But, um, I mean, I don't think Delon Wright's going to break out into the All-Star game anytime no. soon. So. It was a cool story, though. Cool story. So job, some, some people charge just a little bit, but it was cool to recognize. It's yeah, cool it was thing. cool to recognize. It'll get him some money this offseason for sure. Uh, a little bit cooler than Jimmer Fredette's 10 points against the Kings this season high this year. So, yeah. We'll see. All right, Tanner, moves on to the next one. All right, next one. Donovan Mitchell, 46 points last night in the second-to-last game of the season against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, many are claiming he should have been an all-star this year. Andrew, what does this show? Most of the time, Jazz fans do need to chill. The thing is, is leading up to the All-Star game, Donovan Mitchell was not playing nearly as well as he's been playing now. His first half of the season was not nearly as strong as his second half of the season has been. However, a lot of Utah Jazz fans are saying, it's kind of ridiculous that we're a 50-plus win team and probably the only honor at the end of the season that our players are going to receive is that Rudy, Rudy Gobert most likely will be the defensive player of the year. Yeah. And we've also seen it before where two years ago, Rudy Gobert should have been the defensive player of the year and they gave to Draymond Green, um, which was a complete joke. Um, and so I think what a lot of people are saying is the Utah Jazz do not receive enough credit for what they put out on the court. And I agree. When you have a 50-plus win season, when you're going to make the playoffs again with a relatively young team, um, a team that last year wasn't even supposed to make the playoffs, now they're going to make the playoffs again, probably have the same seed. I do think Utah Jazz fans have a little little bit of a right to be upset to have a chip on their shoulder Mm -hmm. because I don't think think the organization gets the credit that it deserves comparatively. I mean... You have people freaking out about the fact that the Brooklyn Nets are going to be back in the playoffs. Yeah. In the East. I mean, what, they're going to be the seventh seed in the East? Who cares? I mean, there have been plenty of mediocre teams in the East to be the seventh or eighth seed to make the playoffs. Yeah. I just I find it I find it frustrating. Um now, do I think that Donovan Mitchell should have been an all star this year? No. It's just it's yeah, it's just so tough out west because 
it's like who who are you gonna take off? A guy that's like he's on these all NBA teams and you know each year or you know he has this record or that right it's like it's hard to take people off. And they do the thing now where they had Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki in the All Star game, yeah. right? Which I kind of thought was stupid yeah. because I think you should have the best possible players on the floor. And I understand that Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki have had great careers and great success within their careers. But I think on the other end of it, like say, I don't know, 10 years down the line, Rudy Gobert's going to retire. He's played with the Jazz his whole career. He's averaging like 10 points and eight rebounds a game, right? Are they going to let him be on the all-star team his last season in the NBA? No, no. They're going to be like, no, like it's Rudy Gobert, right? Like even though he's the best defender in the league, potentially one of the best defenders of all time, they're not going to let him be on the all-star team in 10 years just because he's going to retire. And so I, again, it goes back to the recognition thing where if Rudy Gobert would have been on a team with like, I don't know if he would have been on like an LA or Miami type team and, you know, quote unquote, had big, bigger media and social impact, right? Then he gets to be on the team. I just, I don't know. It's frustrating, but at the same time, I get it. I mean, I understand. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. So, I mean, this is, this is something that I feel like we just have to chill out about because it's out of, it's out of, it's out of anyone's hands really. Yeah. So, yeah, it's true. All right, Tanner, moving on to the next one. Um, this one probably specifically to you with your uh, one bracket pick. So Virginia last season loses in the first round to a 16 seed. First team of all time to do that. This year they win the NCAA championship. Many people are saying this is like one of the greatest sports stories of all time for Virginia as a program. It was their first national championship win in program history. Do you think that people need to chill out or do you think it's justified considering this to be one of the best sports stories of all time? No, I think it's justified. Um, because it's the first time it's ever happened. It probably will be the only time it's ever happened. Um, and because, you know, here, here's the, like it, th- this tournament starts out for them. They're down at halftime to a 16 seed and it's like, oh crap. It's like, it's really going to happen again. Next game. They, they, they beat Oklahoma pretty handily. After that, they get a hot Oregon team. Everybody's like, man, this 12, this 12 seed Oregon team could go to the final four. Maybe they beat Oregon. They, they, you know, they finish that game strong. Then the next game, the Elite Eight, you're against, you're going up against Purdue. Carson Edwards is playing out of his mind. They you know they're hitting every three. He's hitting every shot. Um, they're down by, I want to say, I think they were they were down by three with like five or six seconds left. They get that game in overtime and they win. And then you have the Final Four game, controversial play. It was a foul. You still, you know, you still ran into him. He kicked his leg out. Sure, whatever. It still happened. They still called it. They called it correctly. He made the three free throws, which everybody is not talking about. Did make three free throws down by two with .6 seconds left. That's some ice in your veins. He does it. They win that game. And then they're playing up against this Texas Tech team who has played incredible defense, been shooting the ball lights out this tournament. And they find a way to hit a three late in the game with 12 seconds left to tie the game for Texas Tech. Doesn't get a good shot off at the end of the game. Goes in overtime. They finish off in overtime. So it's just a crazy run after having the the lowest of low for a college basketball team to in the in the NCAA tournament. I I think it's justified. Um, now I mean if we're still talking about it, 
into the summertime, it's like, okay, chill out, you know. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. for the rest of this month, when while college basketball is over, yeah, talk about it. It's well, it's cool. I, I, I think it's a te- I think it's a team that I'm going to remember. I mean, the oh, cardiac yeah. Cavs, right? I mean, they. I don't think that they had an easy path. No, and that's what's bugging me as all. Yeah, and I've seen I've seen this on social media and stuff. People are saying they had an easy path. How did they have an easy path? You're losing to a 16 seed again at halftime. The easiest game they had was Oklahoma. Uh, then they had to play the Pac-12 champions. Yeah, who also were playing great basketball. Yes, they then had to come back Purdue. against Purdue. Crazy play, tipped the ball backwards, which never works. You hit a shot. You hit a really tough eight foot shot. You throw it up at the buzzer. It goes in. And then you have a little bit of luck. And here's the thing. People can say they're lucky, but guess what? Every good team is lucky at some point. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Especially in college basketball. Exactly. Especially in college basketball. And in college football as well. Because you watch that. uh, The one I always think of is uh, that Duke-Wisconsin final from a few years ago. They were lucky to win that game. They were really lucky that Grayson Allen somehow turned into the best player on the court. No one expected that to happen when he slammed down over Frank the Tank. Yeah. Like nobody expected that to happen. And I here's the thing: I didn't expect Virginia to win. See, and as confident as I was, I was like, okay, when are they going to lose? Here's the thing, though, because we all had that thought: yeah. when are they going to lose? Because they always lose. They always lose, and they always lose earlier than they're supposed to yeah. every single year. Yeah. And so, for them to be able to go from yeah. losing to a 16 seed to winning the national championship. Yeah is one heck of a story. Yeah. And I think you do make that into an ESPN 30 for 30, 20 years down the line. And I hope they use this podcast as future material um, when one of us turns out to be famous. Statistically, at least one of us will. Most likely going to be Tanner. Um, but no, <laughs> I'm more of a big God's, fish in a small God, pond kind of guy. Uh, God's plan for Virginia, that's what it was. Shout out Mark Titus, uh, college basketball guy. Oh, yeah. He's been saying it from He's day one. He's been saying it from day one. They play great defense. It's true. Defense wins championships. And Virginia proved that throughout the course of the year. Also, I mean, to come out of the ACC and be a number one seed means that you must have had a pretty dang good basketball team. And also shouts out to my Duke Blue Devils. They beat them twice. They beat them twice. Um, And that's what we're all going to remember. That Michigan State (laughs) game, I, I, man, was an ugly game for the Blue Devils. Really ugly game. Um, all right. But we'll, yeah, we'll get to some more college basketball later. We'll get into we some got more one more story basketball. before that. This one's for Tanner as well. I thought of this one specifically for him. Magic Johnson has stepped down from the Lakers organization. They only won two more games this year than they did last season, which last year was considered to be somewhat mediocre. Some people are saying it's time for LeBron to go. It's time for the Lakers to completely rebuild. Tanner, do these as people, if they haven't been? Do, do, they, do these people need to chill, or do they need to just buckle down and expect better things out of next season? Um, I would say just chill a little bit because we don't know what's going to happen yet. As of right now, no superstars want to go there. Don't blame them. If I were a superstar and wanted to go to LA, I'd play for the Clippers because you know what? They're a winning team without a lot of guys that normally are used to winning. So I don't know. I mean. The Dan- Johnson- Danilo Gallinari shouts out. Yeah. Shouts Shout out, out to Italy. <laughs> um, but the Magic Johnson thing, it was surprising, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? This kind of makes sense. He wasn't doing incredible things. Sure, he was able to convince LeBron to go there. You didn't really have to convince LeBron to go there. He wanted to go there for TV shows and movies, get his sons in a better high school. He didn't go there to play basketball. No, let's put he it didn't. that way. No, 
I mean, well, I, I guess he did because I guess it's, it's, it's a hobby now for him, I guess. Yeah, it's not his priority anymore. No. And I know that if somebody said that to him, he would snap back at him and say, I'm the greatest basketball player of all time. Basketball will always be my priority. But evidence points to the fact that it was not his priority this season because you sat out longer than you should have sat out for what? your quote-unquote pulled groin. No, 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 no. Here's, remember, <laughs> here's what they said two weeks ago. Yeah. They said that it was incredible that LeBron was able to come back after six weeks because this was an injury that should have lasted him six months. So unless you tore that thing off the bone, I don't think that you should have necessarily been out six months. No, and then he sat the end of the year. All of them sat. Kuzma rolled his ankle. He sat. Lonzo Ball, whatever happened to him. Yeah, Brandon Ingram actually did have to get surgery. Yes, he actually did have to get surgery. But they knew. They knew they weren't going to make the playoffs. And LeBron, what makes it so funny to me is the fact that weeks earlier, I'm going to go into playoff mode a little bit early. Ooh, yeah, playoff mode scary. activated. Scary. And then they win two more games this season after having a bad year last year with what they had. Not only that, they have a bunch of guys from their team last year who are playing out of their minds now. Yeah. I mean, you gave up Brooke Lopez. Mm-hmm. You gave up Brooke Lopez. You don't. You, you you think you'd rather have Javale McGee out there than Brooke Lopez? No, and I was upset about that. Yeah, I just think I I really do think it is time. I think it's time for the Lakers. I think it's time for them to just, I don't think LeBron's the way to go. If you can get, if they can get some really good young talent for LeBron, I think you do it. Yeah. I think, because he's not going to win you a championship. He's not unless, going to. Unless this crazy thing happens where superstars decide randomly this summer to be like, you know what? Maybe I do want to go give it a try out there. That's the only if. That's the only if. And, it, and it's a big if, too, because... I think that it is seen within the within the community of NBA players that basketball is no longer LeBron's priority. I think the reason people were willing to go to Cleveland is because they said LeBron is seriously going to kill himself to get us to win an NBA championship. Yeah. I don't think he's going to do that anymore. I think he's old. I think he has other interests in mind. Yep. And if I were LA, I would I'd consider taking offers on the table especially if a especially if an organization that isn't necessarily super well run has really good young potential talent get get that get that in LA and I think that um it's just it's it's disappointing that basically Magic Johnson's reasoning for leaving was well, I wanted to be more involved in the league, and I wasn't allowed to be. When okay, I, was I wanted to tweet and not yeah. have it be uh, I wanted, tampering. I basically wanted to be friends with everybody, yeah. and they wouldn't let me be friends with everybody. They wouldn't let me talk about which, other players, which is the most Magic Johnson thing ever. I just want to be friends with everybody, and it's like, okay, but you can't because you're the president of a bas- basketball organization, and there are certain special interests in mind that you have to keep track of, and. Other than that, I also think I think he sees the writing on the wall. It's not going to be Showtime yeah. Lakers what like, they thought it was going yeah. to be. Yeah, like oh, well, and like just the franchise right now. It's like with this happening, it's like what's what was a uh, what was more deadly for uh, more deadly of a virus for Magic Johnson, AIDS or LeBron James? LeBron James because he's so. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's come to. Andrew can't even focus now. <laughs> Wow. I, no, mean, he, uh, wow. I mean, he's lasted since 1992 with that, but he couldn't last a year with LeBron James. That better be, man, I really hope one day if Tanner makes it that I have that quote somewhere in a painting by a painting of Tanner. That was, uh, <laughs> sorry. 
Sorry. I just I really liked I really liked that reasoning behind it though. No, and I agree. And I think that I think LeBron is not good for the team. I don't think he's been good for the young talent on the team. Well, and here's the thing is what I've heard is uh we won't spend much longer on this, but yeah. but is that he he's been he's been awesome off the court for the guys because he's always there talking to the young guys. On the court, he's he's not helping their game, and that's where you want it to be helped. He doesn't play defense. See, that's what that's the other thing that I thought was so interesting about it was he comes in a few we- about a month ago yeah. and basically complains to all of his teammates that they're not trying hard enough. And then directly in the weeks to follow, there are clips of him not trying. Yeah. And it's like, here's the thing. You can't, the reason people, when Michael Jordan said you need to do your job, did their job is because Michael Jordan did his job. And Michael Jordan played defense until the whistle blew. He, I just think that for LeBron to have this attitude of like my, my legacy and I'm the greatest and, but then you come in and have this season in LA, I think it's a lot more damaging that he might, than he might be realizing. And I think that. Man, he really needs – they really need to figure it out because if they don't figure it out in the offseason. Yeah. So here, here's my thing. So okay. just just to end this is that should they should we just chill? Yes, until free agency's over. That's the last time you have to chill. If not, freak out all you want after July. I think if you're a Lakers fan, you should see that the organization right now is currently a dumpster fire, and hopefully they figure something out yeah. because – I if I were a Lakers fan, I'd be very disappointed and freaking out at this point. Yeah. 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 Tanner's really glad he's not a Lakers fan. Um alrighty, final stretch, Andrew. What do we have? Okay. Final stretch. We're gonna do our final thoughts in the final stretch on March Madness. Any lasting impressions? Any big things that impacted us from the tournament? Um, I mean, obviously first weekend, really boring. Probably the boringest first first weekend in a long time. Really? And you then, think so? Yeah, well, here, here's why. is because then we're talking about how boring it was. There wasn't too many, too many exciting games. I mean, the most exciting games that I can remember was the LSU-Maryland game and the Duke-UCF uh, game. Other than that, I mean, not much what stuck about, out. Are you talking about, like, the opening games? Thir- Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What about New Mexico State and Kansas? You mean uh, Auburn? Oh, Auburn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Kansas played... Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. Thursday, Friday, that was really the only memorable game. Saturday yeah. was LSU Maryland. Sunday was yeah. Duke UCF. Other than that, you know, there's I feel like it's just a lot a lot crazier of a weekend. Mm-hmm. Um and it's I mean that's that's sh- and it showed because then we got all but two non one through four seeds in the Sweet Sixteen. Um but then we have the Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight, awesome games, really exciting games. Um and then we have the uh, well, especially the elite, and then we have the final four, which was unique because you had two first timers. You had Virginia there since 1984, first time since 1984. Um, they were trying to get the monkey off their back from the 16th seed the year before, uh, and then you have uh, Michigan State, who was the w- most well-known team there, but they didn't even have that great of a team this year. They just played as one really well. Um, so you had interesting storylines all over the board. Sure, the NBA prospects, you know, it, it wasn't that great down in at the Final Four. I mean, you had Jarrett Colbert, you had DeAndre Hunter, and that's about it. Um, but then, obviously, Auburn-Virginia, super exciting game. Texas Tech-Michigan State was exciting for a while, and then everybody's going in saying, great, 
just a defensive battle in the in the championship game. Even I was saying that I was like, "Great, it's gonna be a boring game." And then you have that you have a crazy ending overtime game. It was a fun tournament. Yeah, and that finals game was so up and down in terms of momentum and intensity that it really made for an interesting matchup. Um, I I was really happy to see the two teams that were there be there. I was really happy to see Virginia be there, yeah. and especially Texas Tech because you don't have that happen that all all that often. And to have a team like Texas Tech break through, they did not have an easy schedule to get to the championship game. I mean, they had to play Gonzaga, yeah. which that leads to my follow-up question. What do you think was the biggest shock to you in the tournament this year? What was the most shocking thing to you out of the entire month of March? I, I mean, biggest thing that should be for everyone is Virginia finally pulling through. Um, yeah. But... Other than that, excluding that, I would say, I don't, I don't know. Mine would be that Gonzaga didn't make the Final Four. Okay. I was really confident in that. Yeah. After watching them this season, seeing them, yeah. seeing them play in person twice, yeah. I really expected them to potentially go all the way. I mean, they had by far one of the best teams this year, and they lost to Texas Tech, which was shocking to me. Yeah, and I thought if they could get past Florida State, who they lost to in the tournament last year, that there was no doubt they'd be in the Final Four. Yeah. And they did. And then they ran into Texas Tech, and that's the game that shocked everybody. It's like, dang, this Texas Tech team, if you haven't been watching them, they're a good team. I really wanted to see Duke and Gonzaga again in the Final Four. I really, really did. Um, But yeah, I really thought Gonzaga was going to be better. Um, personally, I did. I wasn't all that shocked that Duke fell in the elite eight. Um, they were a really top heavy team. Um, and you saw that in that game where once, once they basically figured out where to get, um, Duke's players on the floor to basically take advantage of them. I mean, they made, they, they forced Zion outside. They didn't let him drive. Um, they made Duke's shooters that aren't as good of shooters as their top three players. They made them shoot. And I think, I don't necessarily think, uh, Krzyzewski got out coached, yeah. but I just think that Michigan state figured out how Duke functions mm-hmm. and, and took them apart. And yeah. I was impressed. It was, it was an exciting game. I mean, it was a great game. And I, I think that Duke had one heck of a year, um, but yeah, Gonzaga's still got to be my biggest shock. I was really thinking yeah. they were going to make it Final Four minimum. And I think another shock was Auburn, not just getting to the Final Four, but the teams they beat to get there. They beat three Blue Bloods of college basketball to get there. They beat they uh, First they beat Kansas, next they beat North Carolina, and then they topped Kentucky in overtime, who they had lost to twice already in the year. So that was awesome in itself. Um, so I would say that was my shock. Obviously the biggest shock, Virginia finally pulling through. Shout out to them. Yeah, seriously, they played great basketball, and and I was just impressed with how they they really kept their they kept their cool in really tough situations because rarely do you have a team that in the game before, if it comes down to the buzzer and they win, that the next game when it comes down to the buzzer again they win again, and they did that like four times, and that's just that's insane to me that they were able to pull that off. Um, yeah, and Auburn. I was really, speaking of Kansas, after I saw them in the first round, um, I watched them play Northeastern. I was really convinced that Kansas was going to go pretty far. I mean, they had a really good team, and for Auburn to beat them in the second round, like, 
that was shocking to me. And because Kansas Northeastern, by the way, I saw that game in person, one of the most boring basketball games, speaking of that first weekend, one of the most boring basketball games I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, so it was, it was nice to see Auburn pull through. And for Auburn to make the Final Four, incredible. Yeah. Incredible for that program. So college basketball was fun. College basketball was fun this We're going to miss it. I'm looking forward We're to We're going to miss talking about UVU basketball. Yeah, and Mark Pope. I'm going to miss Mark Pope. I really am. I, I think that's what I'm going to close the program on is just saying, like, the things that Mark Pope has done for UVU's basketball program have been incredible. And I don't blame him at all for going to BYU. I, do, I think, do I think it was the smartest choice? Not necessarily. I think that he's taking a risk going there. Um, I think that he would have looked forward to having the best basketball program that UVU has had. Um, and is going to have next year because I really do think that UVU is going to be a very good basketball team next year. Now a lot of that depends on who they find to coach the team and how the team responds to that. If Mark Pope's willing to come in, we'll get him in. We'll have him on again. We'll have him on again. We'll have him on anytime. I might might shed a tear if he comes in, though. So, Anyways, we're going to close off the show on that note. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, feel free to send me an email, andrewcareer at gmail.com, for any personal opinions, questions, concerns on the show. Um, If you want to tell me how great my bracket was this year and really give me some pats on the back, that'd be great. Um, I really need that positive encouragement in my life. Um, Other than that, I think we're going to close off on that note. Tanner, anything you want to say? No, but uh, we have a couple shows left before we hit the summer. So if you want to hear anything, let Andrew and I know. Yeah, and uh, if you need Tanner or I to come spray your lawn for pests, that's also that's what we'll plans. be up to. Yeah, hooray for summer! Alrighty, thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks, love you guys.